Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. And so now here we are together again. Uh, in another Torah study, Torah study number four, not including the biblical holidays, uh, we're in uh, uh, portion number four for the year in Genesis 18. And so we welcome you, we welcome uh, those uh, who are Zooming with us this morning. God bless you. Uh, I'm Pastor Scott Sigmund, and uh, my wife Lydia, she uh, uh, is down in the Fit for Life class today teaching, but we love you guys, appreciate your faithfulness, and we're glad everybody's car started in this uh, freezing weather. Amen. So... Today, uh, uh, when we uh, go through any of the Torah studies, there's always many different themes that you could get into. Uh, Today's uh, uh, chapters in Genesis 18 to 22 uh, have some fascinating and powerful teachings about the life of Abraham, his faith, his character, his nature. It uh, speaks here about the divine visitation that Abraham and Sarah had uh, with the angels of the Lord. Uh, 99-year-old Abraham and Sarah right behind him, you're going to have a baby! (laughs) That must have been a fun little time there. Amen. Uh, and, uh, um, and out of that came Isaac, the miracle child, and we could get into, and maybe next week we'll, uh, we'll have time to do that, comparing Isaac and Jesus. A lot of similarities there in both having a miracle birth and uh, both ending up on uh, Mount Moriah uh, as a sacrifice. Uh, and that's part of today's study is the binding of I- Isaac, the Akedah, the binding as it's known uh, in Judaism. But it all points to the work of the Messiah. Amen. So as I uh, spent the week kind of going through all the different themes, uh, I just kept coming back uh, to the lessons from the story of Lot. Uh, And we, we learn so much about our modern Christian life uh, when we look at Lot and we learn what to do and what not to do if we uh, want to escape judgment. Uh, how many of you are looking to get the book thrown at you come the last day? No hands. Uh, and so there's lessons to learn. Amen. Uh, and uh, uh, Lot's story and his disastrous decision to move to Sodom uh, is uh, uh, something to study. According to Genesis eleven twenty seven, 27, uh, Lot is Abraham's brother's son. Uh, Abraham's the uncle, Lot is the nephew. Uh, so Lot's a blood relative. Uh, and Lot is one of the people 
who in Genesis 12.3 leaves Haran. They leave their country, leave their family, and they go on this uh, uh, journey of a lifetime. How many of you, since you found uh, Jesus, or since Jesus found you, however you want to put that, you realize you're on the journey of a lifetime? And it's a good journey. Yeah, it has its uh, downs, including, uh, but many ups. More ups than downs, if we do it God's way. Uh, But Lot was one of the people who answered the call. Uh, and he goes with Abraham. Uh, it, the Bible says Abraham took Lot. So maybe Lot, even at the very beginning, was kind of uh, waffling on, should I stay or should I go? <laughs> it's not really clear what's going on there, but one thing is sure, that if he goes with Abraham... He's going to experience the blessing of God. And for a time, he does. Things are going his way as the story goes. He becomes very wealthy. He and Abraham. He's with Abraham. All of a sudden, he's rich. Only the blessing didn't last. Because as it is, in so many cases... Uh, riches can have the tendency to blind the minds of believers and unbelievers in the, in the sense of suddenly when things are going so well, you begin to get the big head and think you're the one that, uh, you're the reason for all this success. And instead of realizing it's God, that maketh a man rich and adds no sorrow to it. Instead of thinking it that way, uh, you begin to turn inward and think about uh, how good you are and how smart you are and all your clever little moves. And the next thing you know, uh, what comes before a fall? Pride comes before a fall. What's the middle letter of pride? I. And so Lot starts getting a little bit of eye disease. And that's what you don't want happen in your own life. Don't let pride come in. And you get the big head and think you're more uh, mighty than you really are. There is only one mighty one, and his name is God. Amen. Amen. So, uh, yeah, it, uh, early on, Lot experiences the blessing. Uh but in the blessing, all of a sudden, this conflict arises between Lot's group and Abraham's group. And maybe Lot should have told his herdsmen to shut up. <laughs> Don't mess up a good thing. <laughs> we might not understand everything that God is instructing Abraham to do, but whatever it is, let's follow Abraham and not get into strife and division and arguments and objections. Uh, but that's not how it went down. <laughs> uh, maybe Lot said, yeah, <laughs> how come Abraham's got more than me? <laughs> 
And uh, he decides to part ways with Abraham, and that's when his real problem started. We'll all go through stuff. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. But the last thing you want is to self-inflict problems and issues in your life and on yourself, and uh, basically unforced errors. In football, they call them unforced errors. And uh, we don't want unforced errors. And, and so, like, if you keep finding yourself in hot water, if trouble keeps on knocking at your door, there's a reason. And a lot of times that's when you need to knock on someone else's door and lay it out, not trying to make it sound better than it is. Look, Pastor, I keep going through something here, and if you're willing to speak into my life, I'm willing to listen. Lot probably should have done that with Abraham. I don't know what's going on with all the strife and all the contention, but I don't want that strife and confusion because I know after that every other evil work is going to come. But Lot uh, didn't choose that course of action, and maybe, like I said, it's because of pride. Had he, Lot, deferred to his uncle and just accepted the premise that it's because of Abraham all this good stuff is happening, he probably never would have gone through all the disastrous events that follow. A lot of times Christians get blinded and they can't see the error of their own ways. They don't know what to repent of because they're too proud to think uh, that I have a personal responsibility in this. (laughs) No, it's the devil. Well, maybe it wasn't the devil. Or the devil will come in afterwards and throw fuel on the fire. But a lot of our problems are self-inflicted as we learn from Lot. And there are certain times on the Bible calendar where there are seasons of teshuvah and repentance and searching. Search my heart, O Lord, so I'm not self-deceived. That's the worst kind of deception. But Lot couldn't see, or maybe he refused to see. We, we don't know for sure. Uh, I'm sure that Lot made it into heaven by the hair on his chinny-chin-chin, uh, and we'll be able to ask him, uh, What the heck was going on out there, Lot? What were you thinking? <laughs> uh, but what, whatever, did he not see it? Was he blinded or did he refuse to see it? Uh, did he get his focus uh, and priorities in the wrong way? Whatever it was, he got on the proverbial slippery slope. And not only him, but his family. So it, it included other people. And so he chose poorly and separated himself from Abraham. And he moved the family and he moved his business to Sodom. E. The Bible says he pitched his tent toward Sodom. Something in him was drawing him into uh, a bad, uh, actually a terrible decision that's going to haunt him to his grave. Now, it's not a sin to live near Sodom. 
just like it's not a sin to live in Sin City in Las Vegas. But it is a sin if you don't get your priorities right, and all of a sudden you begin to serve mammon, money, and you're pursuing ungodly, secular-type things that have no bearing on your eternal destiny, that is a sin. Pride is a sin. And when he moves to Sodom, to me it shows that Lot never got his priorities sorted out. I'm going to leave Abraham for Sodom. Something's wrong with that priority. Look at what Genesis 13 says. In Genesis 13.10, it says that Lot saw the area of Sodom that it was like the land of Egypt. He had been with Abraham and Sarah in Egypt when they had to flee to Egypt because of the famine and stuff. So he's there and he sees Egypt And the Bible says he liked this area because it was a lot like Egypt. Was it a lot like Egypt because it was a fertile valley? Or was it a lot like Egypt because it was Sin City? Hmm. So Lot not only likes, he's missing Egypt. And Sodom revives a taste of what he was missing. So there's a side in each of us, lesson. There's a side in each of us that uh, the devil will use to get us to focus back on our before Christ life, our BC life, and somehow think that was good. No, you had one foot in hell and the other one on an oil slick. So no matter how good it might have seemed, well, I had more money then, I had more friends then, I had more this then, I want to go back to Egypt. Oh, okay. Yeah, and in wanting Egypt more than God, look what happens. So Lot chooses a little piece of Egypt because deep down he never transitions into a greater covenant relationship. And this is what goes on when you're, okay, I see that hand, that hand. Okay, everybody come down, let's pray a prayer. When that happens, that person in that altar call is in decision-making mode. You're going to serve somebody. Will it be the devil or will it be the Lord? And if it's going to be the Lord, then you're going to have to give up living like the devil. That's why I'm kind of against the, I know it's not maliciously said, there's only one thing you have to do, is pray this little prayer. No, there's, I'm sorry, unless you're dying at five (laughs) o'clock, there's a lot, every day you're going to have to fight off things that are trying to tempt you and entrap you and cause you to go back to the old ways. It's a good fight. Because you got the Word, the Holy Ghost, you got great friends, a great church, you got uh, hopefully great teaching (laughs) that are all meant to encourage and inspire and challenge us to keep going for the Lord. I have decided to follow Jesus. There's no turning back. 
I'm not going back to Egypt. I'm not going back to Sodom. I'm not going to have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. But that means we need to grow. We're going to have to uh, put some effort in. You did put some effort in. You don't get up on a freezing cold Sunday morning when, where's my scraper? <laughs> I went out five minutes early and started two cars to get the uh, defroster thing going. It's cold. And here you are. Amen. And if you're watching by Zoom or listening later on the website, that's okay too. But whatever it is, let, let us realize that we need to be tr- a transformed people. Lot was struggling with that. Just because you went to the altar call doesn't mean that that's it. There's a lot more left to do. Now because Lot makes these decisions, all of a sudden Genesis 14 tells us that Lot becomes a victim of war. Okay, how did these problems of warfare come upon me? Well, had you not left Abraham in the first place, you wouldn't be in this predicament. He was taken hostage, he and his family, by a warring king, and the king carried off Lot, his family, and everything they owned. How's that feel? When you're in a situation and all of a sudden you lose everything you own. A lot of times we'll blame the devil and probably the devil was right there urging and constructing circumstances. But normally, see, the the blessing of the Lord maketh a man rich and adds no sorrow to it. All right, so a lot of times it's because somewhere along the way we diverted from the principles of God. Where did I go wrong? God didn't go wrong. So where did I go wrong? And it could be uh, a, a blaring omission or commission. Or it could be very subtle. That's why you need powerful prayer partners around you that rightly divide the word of truth, that can help you stir up that spirit of discernment, right? Right? I don't need Dr. Phil and the view to give me a spirit of discernment. (laughs) I need the Holy Ghost and the word of God for that. In fact, I don't even think I need Dr. Phil. Or the view, or who else. But here's the thing. Abraham uh, gets word that Lot and his family have been taken captive, and he comes to the rescue. He defeats the king, brings back his nephew, his family, all their possessions. Everything's back to normal. You would think that after such a traumatic episode, I mean, you're talking about a dramatic rescue. That would have persuaded Lot to realize, (laughs) I've walked out from under a covering I need to be covered by. But it didn't. Another bad choice. Right? One bad choice leads to another, and so Lot returns to Sodom. And he tries to resume a normal life. (laughs) 
normal in quotes if you're listening. There is no normal life. Yeah? Life is full of battles. Life is full of fighting the good fight of faith. Life is full of walking by faith, not by sight. Deciding to go God's way instead of the way you feel about it. It's it's a process. It's a journey. But look, at the end of it all, the greatest reward you could ever get at the end of it all is waiting for you. There's a promised land waiting for you. Amen? Life in Sodom is anything but normal. The people are wicked. And their influence eventually affects Lot and his family. You know, a lot of times we want to hang around people we know aren't good for us because we think our influence will rub off on them. And may that be the case. But over a period of time, you've got to evaluate, is my influence rubbing off on them and they're starting to inch closer and closer to the things of God, or is it the other way around? Which way is this thing going? Which way is the, are the scales tipping? But the devil will always use all the old things from the old way of life to tempt you and seduce you and get you to think this, that, and the other thing. And all of a sudden, you're like the frog in the kettle. And so it was with Lot. The Sodomites... Ever see uh, Shawshank Redemption? He told Andy, if you don't play ball with the warden, we're going to cast you into a place you don't want to be with the Sodomites. (laughs) They're notorious for wickedness and immorality, perversion, just an insanity that we can hardly and don't even want to try to imagine. They were flagrant about it. Their sexual immorality was at the highest levels. And they had a cruelty. Not only were they sexually immoral and perverted, they had a cruelty toward the most vulnerable in society. They had no heart, no compassion, a cold and cruel people. And all of that led to a breaking point with the Lord. The Lord will be patient. With a nation, with a family, with an individual. But there is coming a time where all of a sudden the grace runs out. The wickedness has reached its capacity in the eyes of the Lord. Well, when will that be? I wouldn't wait to find out. When's the best day to repent? The day the Messiah comes, or the day before the Messiah comes, for sure. You want to be, when will that be? No one knows. So every day ought to be a day of repentance. So God sends two angels to Sodom to see firsthand, and they end up meeting Lot. And it wasn't long before all the men in the city came to Lot's house and surrounded the house. They demanded that Lot turn over the two angels to them so they could have you-know-what with them. Pretty bizarre. 
And then things even get crazy. If that's not crazy enough, things get even crazier when Lot Lot offers the mob his daughters. What are the lessons there? In a perverted society, things just keep going worse to worse to worse where all of a sudden we're willing to offer up our children. Anybody notice what's happening in America today, offering up our children? Secretly, let's have that 13-year-old be chemically castrated in a hospital and the doctors are all in on the conspiracy. Don't tell the parents! And we're offering up all of these children into the... Who's, who's deciding this stuff? Yeah? Yeah, people that have a spirit of Sodom on them. Yeah. So at this point, the angels have seen enough. And they cause a blindness to come upon the mob. And they demand that Lot and his family leave immediately. The daughter's fiancés don't believe it, so they're staying behind. Oh, this thing ain't going to be destroyed. How could that happen? But, in fact, the angel sent word, God, it's time for Sodom to be utterly and completely destroyed. And, And here's the thing, despite being lukewarm, And I don't know how all of this pencils out in God's eyes, but uh, the Bible calls Lot righteous, but he's pretty lukewarm. But no matter how that all works out in the salvation and eternal life equation, God considers Lot and his family righteous and worth saving. That ought to tell you something about the love of God and how far the grace and even if you have a sliver, you'll still make it in. Now, once you get to heaven and face the Lord and what happens next, that's why I believe he wipes away every tear. Because <laughs> there's some admonishment. The chairman of the board uses that board to bring correction. I don't know how all that works. But I don't want to be in that line. (laughs) Okay, all of you that live for the devil but somehow made it in, (laughs) in this line. (laughs) And everybody else that was serving the Lord with joy and gladness, with conviction, you get over in this line. I wouldn't be surprised that the 50 men Abraham was, if I could find 50, 40, 30, uh, 20, 10 righteous men, will you spare the city? They could, got, uh, Abraham couldn't even find 10 righteous men, and Lot, although he is called righteous, I mean, uh, he might be righteous in comparison to the Sodomites. But I'm sure that once he realized, then he focused his prayer just on Lot. And you have members of your family, and especially this holiday season, you need to focus some prayer time on members of your family that have one foot in Sodom and the other one on a banana peel. Yeah? Because your intercessory prayer will be honored. It, it, It obviously got Lot out. Because I don't know how you're lukewarm and in another place in the Bible, Revelation 2, lukewarm will be spewed out. 
I wish you were hot or cold, but since you're neither hot or cold and you're lukewarm, so I'm not sure, but I'm not taking any chances. Anybody a risk taker? You want to risk eternal life when you've been there 10,000 years? It'll be like you just began. You want to risk all of that for a season of pleasure? I, I don't know how Sodom is pleasure. The angel said, don't look back. You better make a decision right now. You are deciding to go forward with God. He's going to rescue you out of a destructive situation. You better not turn back now. But regrettably, Lot's wife did look back. Now, no one knows, did she look back because she was curious about what a natural or a, uh, uh, an act of God disaster looks like? Or did she have a longing for Sodom in her heart? We just don't know. I kind of think she, you know, oh man, who's messing up this good thing? It wasn't so good, was it? She disobeyed the warning and was turned into a pillar of salt. Why salt? Well, there's different reasons for it. Uh, but one reason is, is that God uses salt as part of the covenant. In Numbers 18, it speaks about a salt covenant. Salt was the preservative back in those days. Salt was a hot commodity uh, that would keep your food preserved, and it would provide some medicinal support for people. And uh, and so spiritually, symbolically, uh, salt is a reminder of the covenant. And Lot's wife was willing to sacrifice the covenant. And when she turns her back on the covenant, she turns into a pillar of salt. And it's a uh, eternal reminder, don't turn your back on the covenants of God. In the aftermath of them getting out of Sodom in the nick of time, the disaster continues. Sodom's influence was absorbed uh, by the daughters who end up uh, getting lot drunk and committing incest with him. My gosh. Yeah, you see what happens if you don't stand against the darkness, the insanity, the perversion, uh, trying to normalize like I've said before, LBGTQ plus is not done adding letters. They're already trying to uh, 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 remove the stigmatism from pedophiles by calling them minor attracted adults. So it won't be such a stigma. And see, a lot of Americans are like the frog in the kettle. We're not paying attention for whatever reasons. We're not seeing the signs. I mean... Uh, even in, you know, however you voted and believe in this election, uh, for me personally, it's just hard to fathom that uh, tens of millions of people would vote for uh, the rights for kids to transition to another gender without their parents' permission. 
huh? Well, I, I didn't really think about that. I just, they were going to give me more money or they were, you know, we always voted that way. Well, that one deal is a non-starter for me. I mean, you, you don't have to add anything else to the list. <laughs> but that one, to, you're going to try to get my two-year-old to uh, question whether he's a boy? Teachers in school? People on television? TV? Disney? Well, I mean, that's, that's it. I can't vote for that platform. No matter, you know, what good things they may say they offer. That one thing just ruins everything. Not to mention, now, now we're gonna, like in one state, they just passed a law that even if a lady that's going through an abortion has a live birth as a part of the process, they just passed a law that says the live baby has no rights and can be put to death. What? I mean, that just ruins it for me. Well, 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 you act too mean on your side. That's mean. That's brutal. That's criminal. That a live-born baby has no rights, and people in one particular state voted for that? That's Sodom and Gomorrah stuff. And if Christians don't get offended and outraged by that, then your outrage section in your heart is broken. Dear Lord, we need a revival. So, here's the deal. Well, let me just finish by saying, as as insane as the story is, God eventually turns what the devil is using for evil into something good. Because the oldest daughter's son's name is Moab. And God gave Moab his section in uh, the promised land area. And it just so happens that Ruth, from the Bible, is a descendant of Moab. She's a Moabite princess, and she ends up casting her lot in with Naomi and Israel. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And all of a sudden, she becomes one of the ancestors of the Messiah. So there is a happy ending in that regard. But... As we're looking at this insanity, Jesus teaches about this insanity uh, through the story of Lot in Luke 17. And if you want to write that down or go over there in verse 28, Jesus said, And the world, quote, in the last days will be as it was in the days of Lot. And then you can read on and on we for the sake of time we'll just uh, advance the story but read through verse 35 and this section of the gospel Jesus first and foremost is teaching what's going to happen in the last days and during the times leading up to the rapture the tribulation and the second coming so there's that. Uh, secondly, what I, what I really wanted to hone in on, while most scriptures in the Bible refer to Lot's story more to judgment against Sodom and Gomorrah 
and that's true, uh, Jesus specifically references Lot. Uh, And he takes the time to turn the teaching from a general indictment on society in the last days that's overrun with immorality and depravity of every sort to being a referendum on Lot. And it's symbolic, this is a big lesson, that each individual stance with the Lord is what counts. We may be in this world, but we don't have to become like this world. And every person is accountable for their own actions. You're not going to get into heaven because of someone else's faith. You personally have to say, Jesus Christ, come into my heart. Forgive me of every sin. May every curse be broken. And may you lead me and guide me into abundant life and eternal life. And I might say that it's probably worth saying that prayer uh, in a hundred different ways, a hundred different times, a thousand different times. So you don't lose what God has given you. It's an individual stance. Yeah, you and I need to stand up in our society and make sure we continue to be one nation under God. Before the Antichrist is revealed, 2 Thessalonians says there's something resisting him. Many people say that's the Holy Spirit, and maybe that's true. I believe it's the church. I believe uh, that uh, when uh, the Bible says it's only when those that are, when that entity is opposing wickedness is taken out of the way, then the Antichrist will be revealed. 2 Thessalonians. Well, I believe that's you and me. Because people will get saved in the tribulation and you can't get saved without the Holy Spirit. So is the Holy Spirit taken out of the way? Probably not. But we'll see. I could be wrong. But I do know this, there will be a rapture. And I believe that's a rapture scripture. And so we need to do whatever we can to make our society one nation under God. But we also need to make sure, even more so, that our household is one family. That you personally are one person under God. Do your best for the nation. I'm not sure where you look around. If America is taken out of the way, (laughs) like suddenly we go totally socialist, communist, what nation is left? I mean, that to me is a sign of like Jesus is about ready to come. Because if America falls to the secular, humanist, antichrist crowd, what other nation rises up, takes on that mantle? Uh, You shut down America? (laughs) I don't think there's... Oh, China will get saved. (laughs) Okay. But this is why Jesus references Lot and not Sodom and Gomorrah. It's a warning to individuals, right? Yeah, we want our society and culture to be righteous, moral, and godly, but uh, we can only do so much out there. We definitely are responsible for what goes on in our own home. We're accountable to our own personal decisions. 
Now, it's not only Lot, but Jesus meant, I didn't read this, he mentions Lot's wife in the warning. In the last days, don't be like Lot's wife. She was leaving Sodom physically, but not emotionally or spiritually. She was still connected with Sodom, and she turned back and became a pillar of salt. And that becomes, as we said earlier, that salt is a sign of the covenant. She abandoned the covenant. And God is saying, if you reject my covenant, eventually what happened to Lot's wife will happen to you. You may not turn into an actual pillar of salt, but when there is no more covenant, there is no more blessing, there is no more covering, and the devil who is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour will come knocking on your door and you won't have the faith to stop him. Now, no one here will resemble that because you're strong in the Lord. You have the mind of Christ. You have decided to follow Jesus. You're not turning back. Turn and tell somebody, we're not turning back. Colossians 3 says, Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Oh, lot had you learned that lesson goes on to say, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And it starts with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. It's all idolatry. Now, not anybody, uh, everybody has every single thing that's in all these different Bible lists working in them. We're all successfully overcoming many things. But usually there's one or two things that have been basically passed down, generational curses that you're continually fighting with. Illegitimacy, divorce, sickness, poverty, failure, addiction, anger, whatever it might be. Your job with the Holy Ghost and the Word of God is to identify what that might be. What is the recurring theme of my family and then you go to war in prayer against that thing I bind and break the power of that curse in the name and by the blood of Jesus I forbid it from passing along to my children and grandchildren I apply the power of the blood the power of the cross the power of the word of God to defeat these enemies and I declare victory in Jesus name And then redo that about 7,000 times. (laughs) Right? In modern Christianity, Lot could be seen as the casual Christian. Instead of the covenant Christian. And uh, right now, we're just trying to make believers out of people. The Great Commission does not say make believers out of people, although that's part of the process of being a disciple. Go into all the world and make disciples. It doesn't say go into all the world and make believers. Although that's part of the process. You first have to believe. But after you believe, the process of... And this is where the church in many ways has gone wrong into thinking that all you need to do is come to church a couple times a year, a couple times a month, and you'll be fine. No commitments. We don't want to put too much on you because if we put too much on you, you might crack under the pressure. 
<laughs> Try living in the world under their pressures and see if you can hold up against that. You need to put a full court press on the things of God. And you are. Amen? You are. Otherwise you wouldn't be here. So in these last few minutes, we see that Lot didn't go all in. All my chips are in! He held back part of his life. He didn't mind having one foot in the world, one foot in the kingdom. Uh, And it was all that reluctance, all that apprehension to grow and to change and to mature into not just Jesus is my Savior, but Jesus is my Lord. Right? I made Jesus my Savior at the altar. Every day after that is the process of making Him your Lord. And that's, what, that's why this book is so thick. <laughs> I just want the one-minute manager style. Where's the cliff notes? Can I just do the Reader's Digest version? <laughs> no. Well, you can, but you're, now you're in danger of being Lot or Lot's wife. It's that frog in the kettle. You don't realize the devil is slowly turning up the heat to a boil. So God wants us to connect these dots. So uh, I'm just going to fly through these things since we're out of time. Here's eight ways to overcome being Lot. Number one, stay in the Word. In Lot's case, stay with Abraham. (laughs) For you and I, stay with the Word because the Word is Jesus. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He is the living Word, the living Torah. Amen. And that's where our power comes from. You're doing that today. The enemy would love nothing more than to get you to minimize the importance of a relationship with the Word. Number two, be accountable. We need people in our lives that we can pray with and talk about the ups and downs. To be accountable. People to worship with and to pray with. People to be truthful with. Can you handle the truth? (laughs) Amen. Number three, rely on the Holy Spirit. That's why it's so important to be able to pray in tongues. Because you're praying in the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit, pray in the Spirit, and build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Jude 20. Number four, praise and pray without ceasing. It's your lifestyle. You continuously fill yourself, your heart, your inner woman, your inner man with praise and prayer. And when you're so filled with praise and prayer, all the bad stuff has no room to get in. Number five, flee temptation. Right? Some temptation can't be avoided. So we need to learn that no is a complete sentence. No! Other temptation can't be avoided. So you have to uh, do like the old cartoon Snagglepuss. Exit, stage left. (laughs) And get the heck out of there, will you? Stop going back to that place. Number six, prepare for battle. Yeah? No one is immune from attack. But 
we are overcomers. And it's good to learn what is uh, in the mix when you're talking about being more than a conqueror, being an overcomer. Is there a, uh, are there bullet points beneath that that help to make me an overcomer? Learn what those are. Learn what, about the armor of God. Learn about how to pray. Learn about how to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit and prepare for battle. Number seven, take no offense. Can't live your life with your feelings on your sleeve, waiting to be offended and being ticked off and mad and you got a grudge and you're willing to tell everybody about your grudge and how they harmed you and did this and did that. Somebody wrote me a two-page letter the other day uh, just going through every hurt and every... But I'm not sure they wrote it with the idea that I want to be delivered from this. I think they wrote it because they were trying to express uh, how deeply and, and make me feel sorry for them. I don't want your pity. I don't want you to feel sorry for me. I want you to pray that the power of God, the promises of God, the strength of God, the faith of God would cause me to rise up and overcome. Can't have both. Number eight, finally live with an eternal viewpoint. Okay, everything we're going through and living through now, good or bad or ugly, uh, isn't your destiny. Your final destiny is eternity. <laughs> your final goal is the heavenly promised land, and that's coming. You're on your way, and God is there to help you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. The steps of righteous men and women are ordered of the Lord. Stay close to God. Stay close to Jesus. Stay close to the Word. Stay close to all the bullet points and principles that go into making you more than a conqueror and uh, an overcomer. He that overcomes to the end, Jesus said, will experience all the very best so your best is still yet to come god still got a good plan for all of us and we got our eye on the prize amen do you receive that today if you do give the lord a big hand clap